Welcome to this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup being brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield. First and foremost, Merry Christmas to everybody as we get ready to celebrate this Christmas holiday over the next couple of days. We are going to be kind of looking today at what's going to happen as we head into 2022. What are we seeing in weather in South America? How is this crop doing? And are the hybrids really not causing as much of a concern because they've advanced so much. We'll also take a look at the cattle on feed report, hogs and pigs report, and hopefully get to a few other things on our list as well. It may be small, but this little bean fuels a lot of power. It powers a food industry as a top source of protein. It's a fuel that powers diesel engines with fewer emissions. It powers a state economy and bottom lines and it powers the rest of the world as a top Nebraska export. Yeah, it may be small, but we're finding more ways for this little bean to power Nebraska. Well, as we continue now, joining me on the screen is Heather Ramsey. She is with the ARC Group and Arlen Suderman with StoneX. And let's let's take a look at uh, what's happening. Um, Heather, we're going to start with you. 2022, um, this has been a topic you've been having a lot with, with your clients. What are some of the thoughts as we head into this new year? Yeah, there's a lot of outside factors sort of circling around our market. And as much as last year at this time, it felt wild and out of control. Role, um, in some cases. This year, I feel like anyways, um, the market has taken a little bit more of a breather. Um, we tend to continue to digest things, but maybe not as um, knee-jerk rapidly as what we had seen last year. Um, a lot more um, outside factors. I kind of, kind of my general overtake is a little bit more outside factors. So we're looking at things like South America, inflation, um, what are supply side issues like when it comes the inputs and things like that. Um, where are our exports going? Um, who's been buying recently? Um, so sort of like all these all-encompassing things around us, nothing really related at this point in time as to U.S. crop size changes, nothing big looming from this past harvest um, that I can see anyways. And so just kind of trying to take apart those pieces and digest where's the biggest risk for our clients right now. And um, so obviously we've seen really expensive um, inputs uh, going into this next year. And so trying to sort of hit that one um, each piece at a time and, and hit inputs to the start and see where do those dollars shake out? What do we need to do to protect those per farm, client, um, per crop even? And you know how do we set ourselves up to take some risk off the table but still maintain some gameplay come this next spring? Because the markets have been very... Um, I would say very seasonal right now. It's sort of following along with what we would consider a typical post-harvest, early winter time movement. And so feeling like they're a little bit more typical sort of leads me to think um, we should do something a little bit more consistent um, and nothing crazy. No, no crazy decisions, no outlier decisions. Let's do what's consistent and what's beneficial to the farm. What do you think, Arlen? What are some things that you guys are focusing on and talking about heading towards 2022? Six, eight, and thirteen. Six dollar corn, eight dollar wheat, and thirteen dollar soybeans. Um, that's an example of inflation. And inflation play is is big. It's developed over the past year as we anticipated, and that's having an impact on the market from an end user standpoint. That means more risk going forward because we're looking for this inflation pressure to continue deep into 2022. From a producer standpoint, it kind of puts a little bit of support underneath the market. It doesn't mean that we can't see 
um, big sell-offs from time to time, but it means that the market generally manages supply and demand at a higher level than what it would if we were in a deflationary standpoint. <clears throat> we know of many funds who are buying the ag commodities right now as a hedge against inflation, and that kind of helps prop us up underneath. We're going into 2022 with uh, tight quality milling wheat supplies in the world and really snug corn supplies as well with the high crop inputs of prices. Fertilizer price is very high. Some parts of the world supplies are going to be very tight. I think the U.S. farmer for the most part will be able to buy what he or she wants to, um, but the application rates are gonna be lower. So for the wheat, that means maybe some lower yields, maybe some lower protein. And again, that tightens up the quality milling supplies. And from a corn standpoint, we could be looking at more tightness in global corn supplies in 2022. So overall, I, I think from the production standpoint, it means that we've got increased opportunities for volatility and opportunities for profitable margins in 2022 if we keep both the inputs and what we sell in the production side both in the same hand. All right. Well, this report, of course, is being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff with the Nebraska Soybean Board. So let's head south of the border in Arlen. Since you're on the screen, let's talk about South America. What are you hearing from folks down there? Well, it's dry in southern Brazil. It's been about a third of southern Brazil, but the rains are going to kind of erode that here over the next 10 days to two weeks and bring it down maybe five to 10 points. Uh, in Argentina, they've had below normal rainfall through the entire growing season, but they keep getting timely rains. So the crop under stress right now is about 10%. Uh, about three-fourths of the corn and soybean crops are rated in good to excellent condition, but that's declining now. And they're going to be having um, near record heat in Argentina, Paraguay, and southern Brazil. I didn't mention Paraguay, very dry as well right now. Near record heat here over the coming week. And so I think we'll see crop ratings go down considerably. The question is whether we get those timely rains once again. Uh, we're going to be starting harvest of the northern soybean crop here in a matter of days uh, in Brazil. In Argentina, we're very early in the growing season. So the opportunity for yield loss is much greater in Argentina going forward. So I think we're going to see the markets paying a lot of attention to that as we go through the next uh, week and, and beyond, depending on how long this weather pattern holds. Well, Heather, you and I were talking before we, we started this program that the technology and hybrids has changed so much. So do you see that changing the picture a little bit for these soybeans and, and just crops in general in South America? Uh, you know, my overall takeaway has just been when you look at the drought that we saw last year from South America through into North America, what we um, dealt with this summer and, and growing season, and now coming back into the Southern Hemisphere here is that we're, we're definitely seeing issues um, with the weather through all of these growing seasons. Um, but what we're not seeing is massive um, volatility or variations in yields like we were kind of expecting, honestly, um, especially when you talk about the U.S. crop. When we had drought this summer, you know, I had clients that from a, a growing season standpoint, this was worse than the, the drought back in the early teens. Um, you know, we managed a better crop somehow. And I think the reality of that is that the technology in our hybrids has improved so much. Um, even, you know, the drought tolerance, not something that's really 
promoted and talked about um, a lot anymore, but that background drought tolerance and all of our genetics has really been built in. And so we didn't see near as negative as, um, as we thought we would in the production side of the US. And I think going into this um, South American issue we're seeing here, where it's kind of pockets of growing regions are having problems, um, there is a lot of potential to see a reduced crop, but one that's not nearly as reduced as what maybe the, sen the, the sensationalism we're hearing around this South American drought. Um, definitely a lot of headlines, you know, it's dry in South America, it's dry in Brazil, it's dry in Argentina. When we're talking about these limited pockets, you have to wonder how much, you know, technology is going to play into this drought situation again um, in the Southern Hemisphere like it did in the Northern Hemisphere here. So I definitely think there's an issue. I totally agree with Arlen that there's these pockets that are really going to hurt and they're, they're in critical stages right now. But then we have other pockets of South America that a little bit of drought stress is not necessarily going to take, you know, 30, 40% of the yield away. We're going to have really fantastic crops. We start looking into like the Mato Grosso region. I mean, from everything that I've been reading and correct me if I'm wrong, Arlen, but everything I've been reading in like that portion of Brazil, mm -hmm. it's fantastic. You know, they, they grow about 60 to 66% of the soybeans in Brazil from the state of Mato Grosso. So when you look at it from that perspective, um, you gotta kind of just, you know, put some reality to what's happening down there, the different regions, different, you know, growing parts of the growing season that they're in and what does the technology we've brought to the table? Because they're not, I think there's a misconception that in South America, they're farming with 20 year old technology. That's not the case. You know, they're, they're using the same types of, of information and, and genetics that we are using here in the U.S. Well, Arlen, you, I saw you shaking your head in agreement as you talk about those pockets. Yeah, absolutely. The crop looks good in Mato Grosso, even some of Mato Grosso to Sol and some of the surrounding areas. They've had good rains. In fact, they're probably going to want those rains to start easing back here in the weeks ahead so they can make good harvest progress and get those beans loaded on ports and off to, to China. We had a hogs and pigs report and a cattle and feed report that came out ahead of this no market Friday coming up tomorrow. Having said that, what are your thoughts on those numbers? Uh, supportive for the hogs, uh, maybe supportive to neutral on the cattle. Uh, total uh, on feed numbers for cattle were right at 100% of year ago levels. That's just what the trade was expected. Higher placements than expected, but higher marketings than expected. So the bottom line number is about the same. Uh, when we come to the hogs, though, we're looking at about 96% of year ago numbers of, of market hogs. Uh, the trade is looking for 97%. So fewer hogs out there than what was anticipated. And uh, when we look at the breeding herd, it's right at year ago numbers, which is what the trade was looking for. Uh, so overall, I think somewhat supportive for hogs and, and maybe help us carve out that seasonal bottom in, in the cash hog market like it's been trying to do. Lots of things to look at. Any surprises we could see come the trade opening on Monday next week? No, none? Weather. I mean, I think this weekend really feels like everyone's just waiting for the weather and what actually pans out over the long weekend um, in South America there, and specifically Southern Brazil, Southern Argentina. So it's going to be hot in the next 10 days, and we're just waiting to see kind of how hot and how dry, I think. All right. Well, thank you to both of you for joining us. Merry Christmas to both of you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Arlen Suderman's been joining us along with Heather Ramsey. As always, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable for all investors. That's the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield.